Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, he's back in the bullpen today. We have Andrew Donaldson. Andrew Donaldson, editor of Ordinary Times, writer and host of the Heard Tale radio show, conservative, yes, common sense intact. Dear brother, good to have you on the show. How are you? Great to be back with you, sir. Appreciate the time as always. Well, man, I appreciate you. Um, so the world is still here. We have not blown up. Uh, we are still alive. Now, let me ask you some questions, man, because this is a very specific um, bullpen segment. Every person running for president basically has always signed the oath in Illinois that says, hey, if you get elected, will you promise not to overthrow the government? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I signed that. No problem. Um, Donald Trump not signing it. And not because it's an accident or some kind of error. Uh, which has happened before, but he's not signing it because, in my opinion, he wants to overthrow the damn government. He did sign it the last time. He signed it the time before last, but this time he refuses to. What say you? Yeah, I agree with you. You read, did a great job a little earlier running down the history. This particular, this isn't like the GOP pledge or the Democratic primary pledges. This was enshrined law. It's still in the law. It doesn't yeah. have the teeth you were talking about because right. the court struck it down. Not just this one. There was a real famous case in Ebersol out in Arizona, Indiana. Actually, if you remember the old Blues Brothers joke about the Illinois Communist Party, this is what it's actually from. Yep. It was the Communist Party uh, that sued about this and was struck down on constitutional grounds. I don't completely discount that his team just screwed this up, though, and then now they're playing it off of that. That's maybe possible, too, because they don't have the A-team. They're still out trying to get money out of Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley right now. They'll be back first of March or so. But yeah, they're going to play this up because it goes to that audience. If I may, this kind of ties into your last segment too. Those internet people, the really bad faith internet people, we know January 6th was kind of their high tide moment. They love that stuff. That's when they actually got to show up and come out of the woodwork. And we know from the thousand plus court cases, there was a handful of those people that did some of the worst stuff that all started in the online stuff. This feeds that crowd. That's the real danger here. It's not the pledge because it is performative. Yes, everybody normally does it. He does it. It is signaling, and it's it's not everything, but it's not a nothing either. It's a something. Yeah, it's definitely some there there. So let's talk about the reality of of what's what happens to the general voter, right? Um, I saw a report earlier uh, today where the political pundits um, they were talking about this very same issue. And one guy, left-leaning guy, he basically says, well, you know, this is going to hurt Donald Trump with independence. And let me tell you why I disagree with that today. And I know many people will say that line now. Independent voters or moderate voters, whatever you choose to call them, all right, swing voters. There was a time in American politics when people who self-identified as independent or moderate or swing voters they were the majority. Hmm. They were the majority. And you had a minority of those who would affiliate themselves specifically with one party. Obviously, that transformed over time. And then the partisanship became the majority, but the middle, the moderate, was still a significant voting block. And you had to carry that moderate vote, or at least you assumed you did. But then something happened. And this is where we are now. That Self-identified category of voter, moderate, independent, swing voter, 
It is at its slimmest ever. It has never been this thin before. So you don't have a whole lot of wiggle room inside of it. So you have basically what I call base politics happening. Whoever can get their base out can likely secure an election in America right now because of that thin sliver of independent voters that are still left. People have taken sides like they haven't before. It's more polarized than it historically has been. So I don't think this is a miscalculation by the campaign. Did they fumble it? Of course they did. Is it horrible messaging? Yeah, because they really didn't have a good message to respond. But was it unintentional? I don't think so. What say you to that? I think it's a natural inclination of these people to go to that. The people that Donald, remember, this is who Donald Trump had left. He had a lot of still mainstream GOP people in that 2016 campaign. That's why he won, frankly, because those people knew what they were doing on a campaign. I'm just talking nuts and bolts stuff, not ideology, Mm -hmm. how to run a campaign, how to do financing. Those people aren't there now. The people that are there now are mostly the true believers or the full bore grifters. That's who he's got left. So their default is to go to this, which you just said is true. Pew Research does this every year. They do the kind of the ideological spectrum. And what's happened is exactly what you said. The edges have hardened, but what that has done is the middle, if I can explain it this way, it's a little bit broader in the middle where those moderates and independents are. It's wider, but it's more shallow. It's not as deep. So those folks are really hard to pin down, especially on what they believe. So they tend to default to things like tribalism, like the evangelical vote that all of a sudden doesn't make sense to a lot of people traditionally, but they all flock to Trump. It's a lot of tribalism. It's a lot of identity politics, things like that. You can pick other groups as well. It's a good insight on what's really going on with things like this identity pledge, though, because instead of a policy like Social Security or something like this, or even like a foreign policy thing, or like we're going to balance the budget, things that in the 90s would have been really big, hot plate stuff. This is now the boilerplate, this cultural stuff this stuff that's wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say it without actually saying it. There's a lot of that going on here. That's how you fire up that very specific base. And it's a smaller base. It's a more fired up base. But that's the base they got to have. And that's why he has a floor of 35, 40%, whatever number you want to use. That's why it gives him a chance in these elections. That's also what drops his ceiling. The part you got to worry about is how low is that ceiling? Because if that ceiling's 47, 48%, now we got problems. Yeah. And as far as the Republican primary, I don't see any way that he gets defeated in the Republican primary because of the plurality rule. Um, He has secured a significant voter base per state in a way that no one else can secure that voter base. You don't have people who are Trump people, like diehard Trump people, but they're also Nikki Haley people, possibly DeSantis people. His people are his people, right? Uh, And as long as you have so many people running, you're gonna split the base for everybody else and he consolidates his base and he then wins based on that rule, because naturally in a Republican primary, you don't have to win 50% plus one. Um, Let's talk about what happens to um, America, all right, as a country. Because let's say the the worst of the worst, right? Trump gets the nomination. And and I actually think there's, there's this other part that's brewing, and that's his prosecution. He gets the nomination. He gets successfully prosecuted, meaning a jury finds him guilty. And by the way, dear brother, I do believe a jury will find him guilty because a grand jury, multiple grand juries, they have found him at least liable enough to sign affidavits swearing, saying you need to go ahead and search this guy. You need to investigate him. You need to find more evidence, right? They signed those search warrants. So I do believe a jury can convict him and probably will convict him. And that sets up another problem. And that additional problem is, 
Well, once you become a convicted felon, you cannot hold a position of public trust while you are under that sentence. You also cannot vote in the vast majority of the states in this country while you are under that penalty. What is the constitutional argument that they will use to say Donald Trump still gets to break the rules that no one else in those respective states as citizens of those states have ever been able to break? How can Trump break the rule if he gets just one felony conviction? Yeah, that might be the ultimate backdoor way to work on felons getting their voting rights back. We'll talk about that some. <laughs> you know what? Uh, and and I've said that before. Care about that, but uh, right. No, all of it, a sudden, everybody yeah. who's a, who, who has a felony conviction should vote now, right? Yeah, it's all all of a sudden all these GOP operatives have realized that people get railroaded through the justice systems. Like, welcome to the party. We knew yep. this. Uh, what you're saying is kind of one of the very oldest things in all of law. You can go all the way back to when we first Hammurabi probably had this problem if we had enough data to do it. Law is only as good as you can enforce it. Um, yep. The problem is going to be an enforcement thing here. And the argument is going to be what you just said. It's like, well, he's Donald Trump. He was unduly convicted. It wasn't fair. He was real. We've already heard this for five years. We already know what the argument is going to be. You're probably, if everything holds up the way it looks, you're probably going to have a split Congress. So probably the Democrats will get the House back. They're probably going to lose the Senate or it'll be tied one or the other. So Congress isn't going to be able to really do that. Who's going to enforce this law if he becomes the president and has some conviction? I, I would defer to my friend, Andrew Fleshman, who uh, is sometimes a colleague, very brilliant lawyer. He put out yesterday when they were talking about some of this other legal studies, like, oh, for somebody that would have just charged him with a simple felony misreporting of fact or government fact or lying to the government, something just open and shut case, simple to do it. He's like, we're kind of overshooting some of this stuff. Just get a simple conviction and go from there. But that's the problem he brought up with that is you get a simple conviction, then what do you do? How much of a conviction? Oh, this is a minor thing. This is not a minor thing. That's going to be the argument. You have to enforce the laws to have laws. Donald Trump doesn't like to be enforced. The system has held so far. It held on January 6th. I'm worried about it too. We'll see. The best thing to do though is for him to not win office in the first place and avoid it. Probably ought to think about it though. Yeah, and I got to say this, I did not see uh, Republican legislatures changing their rules in case this scenario happened. Yeah. Um, and typically you would see them make at least some motion uh, that we need to change the rules for presidential elections um, if Donald Trump gets convicted. Because as it stands right now, if he does get at least one singular felony conviction on his record, as state law stands without them calling special session, as state law stands, he doesn't get on the ballot. And I don't know how you overcome that argument legally because the court, they have a very limited opportunity here to help him if they wanted to. One would be on constitutional grounds, but we already have solid case law saying states have the right to do this. Second would have been on statutory grounds, which means you would have had to change the law prior to the election. So what argument would they make other than a non-argument and simply do it by force? Yeah, and that's the scary thing because we saw on January 6th that there will be a few people. It was luckily a small handful that will go to a call of force. It's something we got to pay attention to. That's why this online stuff actually matters. You got to pay attention to these yeah. extremists because this stuff gets stoked up. Again, the institutions hold if the election all goes well, but Donald Trump's always going to be the live wire outside the system until he defeats it enough that people lose his interest or he passes off the scene naturally. We'll see which one comes first. All right. Listen, man. Um, you are a conservative voice, very powerful voice, a very respected voice. We appreciate you always coming to the table with an actual conversation, no gaslighting. Uh, we don't agree on everything. We don't need to, but I appreciate the spirit in which you approach life and politics. So thank you, dear brother, for all you do. 
Anytime. Always happy to be with you, sir. Same. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.